You talked about families where you're not raised showing anger and you're really not allowed to show anger. What does that turn into as a grown-up? Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. How do you know if you have an anger problem? Are you at a point where you're always upset about something? You develop what we'll call a critical spirit. Things aren't going the way they're supposed to, and it's natural to feel frustrated. It really is. So you're sarcastic at work. You've noticed it. And maybe you found yourself blowing up at home. Are you in control of your anger, or is it controlling you? I'm Dr. Greg Jantz, and welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Now, for some of us, you're not supposed to be angry. You're not supposed to show anger. You grew up in a home where... Nobody showed angry. Everything was always okay, and nobody got angry. Or on the flip side, you grew up in a home where there was screaming and yelling, and there was always somebody angry about something, and so you made a vow, I'm not going to live that way. Now you don't know what to do with anger. Anger can be a confusing emotion, and yet, if we're going to be healthy emotionally, we have to figure out, how do I manage anger? What's the Bible say about anger? And is it ever appropriate to have what's sometimes referred to as righteous anger? Yeah. What is that? Really, what is that? You talked about families where you're not raised showing anger and you're really not allowed to show anger. What does that turn into as a grown-up? I recall Susan was a gal, 43 years old, came to help at the center, Place of Hope, and she grew up in a home where she could never remember a parent ever being angry or ever saying a crossword or never hearing that tone of anger. And she felt she was living in a surreal environment. It wasn't, wasn't real. And she would see kids at school and others, and she would see kids get upset, but she never saw that at home. Susan came to a place where she didn't know how to express her feelings. When there's disappointment or something's happened, didn't even know how to say what was going on. Those feelings that really would have been anger or hurt were internalized and turned into depression. And can you actually teach a person how to be angry appropriately? (laughs) Is there appropriate anger? You know, there is. There can be a practicing of, first of all, I have to identify that emotion. What is the real emotion I'm feeling? And then what's an appropriate response to that emotion? Sometimes when people begin to really get in touch with their anger, maybe through counseling, Sam, they will swing the pendulum and they're just hollering and screaming at everybody because they haven't ever shown their anger. And it's like, whoa, what just got unwound? This is new power. (laughs) Yes. And so that's something we have to be careful about. 
For Susan, how did that go as you worked with her? Did she eventually figure out how to catch the depression and realize what that was and turn it into something that helped her move past? Susan had been on a fair amount of antidepressants dealing mm. with the depression. In her work, they could never figure out, well, what was causing this? Mm-hmm. So people at work knew that she was depressed and yes. having issues? And she said, well, we were Christians and, and, and we weren't supposed to be angry. Right. That's not nice. <laughs> so, but can we be angry? That's the question. Can we be angry? Another word for anger can be hurt. And actually then deal with that emotion without being harmful. Can anger be holy? Well, can it? Yes. And I think we can think of examples of, of Jesus showed anger. The classic example is flipping tables in the temple. Mm. Well, an appropriate expression to anger sometimes requires that we do stand up for things. But we can do that without damaging others or ourselves. You know, depression for Susan, when she internalized her anger, turned it into depression, that was really a way of she was harming herself. Because it was safer than harming someone else, which didn't fit her rules. Exactly. Do you know an angry person in your life? How does it feel when you're around them? I mean, there are people that are clearly, you look at them or you engage with them on any level of conversation and you go, they are angry. It's clear. Yeah. Then there's other people. We call it passive aggressive. There are people that they smile at you. Everything looks like it's okay. But behind the scenes, they are being aggressive and harmful and hurtful. And they have an anger problem. It just comes out a different way. Then there's those who are depressed. And they really end up being very angry, but not realizing that's what it is. And when we deal with those core issues of hurt, that depression begins to change and in many cases goes away. How do you know if you have an anger problem? Did any of those three stand out or somebody that you live with? Are you at a point where no matter what, nobody can do anything to please you. You're always upset about something. You develop what we'll call a critical spirit. You're just constantly critical about people, the world, church. It doesn't really matter because ultimately a critical spirit covers everything in life. And you're looking through the lens of a critical spirit. And if I have a critical spirit, then here's the other thing to measure. I'm probably living with a lot of resentments. And I'm resentful, which means I'm embittered. And if I'm embittered, anger is eating me alive. We know that bitterness and resentment even will affect, and there's some pretty good studies, how it affects our immune system, sets us up for disease. So we know that ultimately, this emotion of anger not dealt with could have physical ramifications. The question I would have is, if you're listening to this and you go, I live with somebody like that. I know someone who's bitter and resentful and critical of things. And it's such a delicate dance with this person. You know, how do you bless someone and help them realize, hey, I'm down a path that's hurting me and help them move forward without turning into World War Three? Yeah, because we can attempt sometimes to confront somebody. And if you say you seem so angry, then it increases it inflames it more. Right. And so how we approach this really does matter. Some people need really an intervention on them emotionally. They're hurting other people. They have crossed a line. They're being abusive. They're being emotionally abusive. And we've got to stand in there and stand up for others. I had a situation recently. Crossed the line. They were being abusive and hurtful and damaging to others, including me. We sat down with this person, two of us, 
and let them know how their words were affecting us. Now, we never use the word anger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if we were to sit down and go, you know, you're such an angry person. Right, right, right. And we're here today to confront <laughs> you on that. Ooh. But what we, what we did was some of the words and some of the things you're saying to us are really hurtful. Can you help us understand what's going on? So we call that the anger backdoor. We're not accusing them, but we want to step into the situation, try to understand what's really going on for them. How did that person receive it as you guys shared that with them? At first, they felt we were blaming them for things. And so it took a little bit of time to really iron it out. No, no, we really care about you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We just want to let you know how this is affecting us. And we care enough to sit down and talk to you. It took a while to get there. And this person actually broke down uh, towards the end in tears and cried and said, I'm so sorry. Whoa. So they had that point of understanding they were being hurtful. Wow. Then we were able to say, look, we really care about you. We forgive you. And so that was an important next step. Do they still need help? Yes. Doing it how we approached it, did we have some success? Yeah, we, we opened the door and began to have some success. Well, and what I hear too is that you went in with love yeah. and you didn't give up when that first reaction was defensive, was kind of throwing the blame back on you. You didn't just scrap it and run scared, which it's easy to feel like you want to do that if someone turns it back around on you. Oh, it is. And if you've been in a situation where somebody is accusing you of something and they're being really beyond rude, they're being mean-spirited yeah. and they're saying things, well, most of us want to go, hey, and you want to have your turn. And then we have what's called a major argument. Yes. So keeping in that spirit of love. <laughs> Still tell the truth, but step aside of what's the deeper meaning of what's going on here? This is really not because I didn't load the dishwasher correctly. Mm, <laughs> you know, yes. what's the deeper meaning behind this? Yes. We have a question from Bill. He says he's been going to 12-step meetings for many years, and he says he feels like anger is the main emotion that drives addictive behavior. Do you agree with that? Mm, if I have anger and I'm hurt, I'm going to look for a way to self-medicate. How do I alter my mood so I don't feel this horrible feeling? Well, addiction of any kind. I could escape through just the internet and just numbing out. I can escape through Facebook. I can escape through food. Food's a big one. I just eat my way through that ice cream half gallon and I'm really self-medicating. I'm using it to change how I feel. I can turn to alcohol. It changes my mood. And if a little bit doesn't work, I just keep going with it. It turns off that emotion. For a while, people may drink out of hurt or they may drink out of I don't feel good about something in my life. I don't like how I'm feeling. And so I want to feel differently so I can use alcohol. And it's hard because you, like you said earlier, sometimes we feel like we're not allowed to be angry. And right. getting through to somebody, and I think maybe especially women, do you find women especially feel like I don't have the room to be angry or I'm not supposed to be angry because that's not nice? And there may be a message, well, a good mom never gets angry. Right, yes. Or a Hey, a good wife. The Christian woman doesn't <laughs> yes. get it. I mean, so yes. there's messages that are there, and we feel like there's a certain way I have to be. And if I quote slip up, then I'm not a good Christian. I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good mom. I've I've failed. And that's an interesting question. Jeannie just checked in with us, and she says she has memories of being a little girl, and her dad was very angry, and her mom would say, "Be a good girl, because daddy's in a bad mood." And Yikes. she says to this day. She has a really hard time handling other people's anger because she feels like it's because of her 
<laughs> and that's not a good feeling. She said, that makes me angry. You know, mm-hmm. how do you break a cycle like that? And this is a cycle. It's usually a learned. So I learned this. I learned anger growing up. I learned how to show anger or I learned not to show anger. I learned how to avoid it uh, or I learned how to fight back. So what? ask yourself, what was the pattern that I learned? Generally speaking up in the environment I grew up in, did I have a really angry relative and I learned to avoid anger because I didn't want to deal with this person. Another important question to ask is, was I a victim of abuse or a victim of betrayal? And I developed a real anger problem because of an event that happened in my life. My response has been anger and I am just an angry person. And therefore, here's the next thing to look at. I probably don't trust other people. I'm angry. I don't trust. And other people can prove themselves to you as trustworthy, but you are going to find something wrong because you don't trust. What happens if you look at your emotional resume and you discover these are some of the things that I have going on? How do you start to untangle that hurt? I really think that sometimes we need to sit down with somebody and really help us. Where did this hurt originate? Where did this life pattern of dealing with anger originate? What are things that then happened later on in my life that kept reinforcing this? Maybe you were married, your husband was unfaithful, there was betrayal, Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. reinforced it. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was something that happened and you lost a job and it felt like betrayal. There could be things that have happened that really have reinforced a life pattern of anger. I want to mention, too, we've got a book. It's called Controlling Your Anger Before It Controls (laughs) You. You wrote this book. I did. I like your books because you always have homework at the end of the chapters, and that helps you. You don't just read the book, and you know how some books you read them and you forget, well, what did I read? Yes. These kinds of books, you read them and you go, check, well, check, we, we and you move forward. We want to have a action plan. Yes. On Life, Love, and Family, we are talking about anger. Are you in control? Here is a number for you if that's an issue for you or someone you love. It's the center, a place of hope, 888 I remember at a Little League game that my oldest son was playing at, not that many years ago, wasn't that long ago, um, called strike, and it was not a strike, apparently, according to one dad, who actually ended up going out on the field screaming at this ump and all the series of his bad calls. And I remember other coaches trying to get this dad off the field and things escalating. And I, I'm thinking, do I give him my card? <laughs> I remember what, what happened was all the families and the people in the stands and all the kids, everybody is so stunned. The emotion of anger penetrated the air and that whole area and everybody's in a shock and it affects everyone. See, it never just affects yourself. It affects everyone. I remember looking at that boy who was up to bat who this last called strike means he was out. And I remember him looking down at the dirt, mm. so embarrassed, so ashamed of what his dad was doing. It added to it even more. What you do with your anger or don't do affects not only you, it affects others. The feeling, how do you think it was when this dad showed up at the next game and the same crowd and the same players? And what was it like for his son? Anger can have a destructive pattern that can go deep. I would suggest that was so shameful to this young man that, you know, how did he feel the next time he came up to bat? Think about how is my anger or somebody else's anger affecting it? it, Because it permeates, it affects so many. 
touches my heart in that too is you think that dad was probably thinking he's really standing up for his son yes. and he's really doing something to defend him and yet the intensity of what he was doing did the exact opposite of what he was trying to achieve. Absolutely. You can see the ripple effect. Do people often know if they have an anger problem or is it sort of a mystery to them? Well, anger can be so addictive we can just deny it. Like any addiction, nah, mm-hmm. it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Or we can justify it. Now, there is appropriate anger. And before we get into what that looks like, let's look at hidden anger, Sam. For example, some people don't realize that a pattern or a lifestyle of procrastination could be hidden anger. If I'm habitually late and I have this pattern, because that can be really powerful. You're always the one that's late. The attention always comes on you. A lot of times this procrastination, you wait to the very last minute because you are mad, you are upset. And it's been a life pattern. So you might not even be angry anymore. It's just a pattern that somehow started with a deep, deep anger. You don't even feel it or know it. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else? Like as you talk about the hidden angers, what else do you notice? Well, we may notice at times an extreme of over politeness. They are so overly kind and sweet that to something that doesn't feel right. Yeah, you can tell. Yes. A fake cheerfulness. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the salesperson that is too exuberant in seeing you. <laughs> you know, it's come on, this is a little over the edge here. Sometimes our kids might do that in order to get something. Oh, yes, yes, mom, or yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> they give you an artificial respect because they have something they want later. <laughs> and you spot it. You know what they're doing. That's yes. right. What about when you're sleeping? We heard from Andrew. He says he has dreams where there's a situation that is just making him furious. And mm. he wakes up and he's feeling really, really angry. And it happens frequently. He's asking you, what's going on with this? Sometimes we do tend to want to act things out and do things in our dream that we wouldn't ever do in person. And it can be a little disturbing. So there are sometimes fears that get recycled in our dreams. We don't talk about it, but boy, when we start dreaming, our brain starts processing it. There are some things that you can do with that. One of the things I'm going to look at is keep a log. And after maybe three times of having this log and writing down the same dream, I want you to write a different ending to the dream. Actually write it out. So this is my reoccurring dream. And I want you to write a different ending or write an ending to it. And I want you to complete the story differently. Uh, We know, and this is fascinating, that when a person does this, we can alter how the things we dream. And I have had more than one client who has written different endings to their dream, who ultimately began to dream their different endings, and they woke up feeling differently, and there was no need for the dream anymore. How empowering that must feel. Yeah, yeah. There's a freshness to looking some of this stuff in the face. And the hard part is, I think, there's things we don't want to see, the angry ugliness of the past or of our current situation. Mm -hmm. Who wants to admit, hey, I'm an angry person or I have bitterness? We don't want to. Let's talk about a, a visual picture. Okay. The person who is so full of resentments, visually, most people, I'll say, well, what does that person look like? Most times we will describe, well, it's a person who's hunched over old and wrinkly and unhappy and they're looking down. See, we have a visual picture of what resentment looks like. Physically, how does resentment affect our posture, our sleep, how we look, 
I wonder how resentment affects how we age. That's interesting. We always want to stay young and we'll buy all these <laughs> creams and things to try yeah. to do. That may just be something I'm on the so inside. I'm not so sure that the Botox can take away the resentment right. wrinkle. <laughs> we need some emotional <laughs> Botox. That's what this is. We know that eating disorders, turning away from food or uh, like anorexia or turning towards food, binging, overeating, can be a way of dealing with the emotion of anger. Mm. Now, I want to make sure that we are using the word anger and hurt somewhat interchangeably. I show anger when I've been hurt. I feel betrayal. I feel injured from somebody. And my response is generally anger. If it's not okay, if I grew up, I don't know how to show anger, then I may turn that into depression. Or I may turn it into an addiction. Today on Life, Love, and Family, we're looking at anger when it goes uncontrolled. Is that your story or maybe someone that you love? The center is a place of hope and they would love to help you in whatever you need. 888-771-5166. So I can tell you that I'm upset. I'm really hurt by what you said. Mm -hmm. And I can just say that. And I can say that without calling you names. (laughs) Right? This is good. Uh, Right. Or or making a, a heavy judgment or even saying to you, why did you say that? That would put us on the defense and we want to just get back up and fight. But if I say to you that I was, I'm really struggling, I, I was hurt by something you said, and I, I feel anger, period. That feels different. And if I could practice being honest with the feeling, identify what the feeling is, and sometimes it's so intense, I may need to say, look, I need a little bit of time. I want to come back and talk to you about this. I'm, I am really actually too upset to talk right now. Let's talk in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Take a little pause. Mm-hmm. Just to be able to exert that self-control, take a pause, but be sure you come back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we take that pause, we need to jot down, okay, what was the event that happened? What's my response? And then what would resolve this for me? What would really resolve it? Getting even doesn't resolve it. Carrying around the anger doesn't resolve it. How would this be resolvable? And then do you present that to the other person? Um, your you solution? Yeah. They may need some help. Uh-huh. Now, because I talk to them, it's okay to be aware because if they have a pattern of going off, it's okay. You're going to be aware of that because the next step is I'm not going to over-personalize this. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've had a teenager in your house and they rant and raved and they've said some things that have been rude or mean, it's like, oh, and you can really personalize yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you don't personalize it. This is not about me. (laughs) Which is good advice. And I think especially for moms raising boys, we're emotional. And we do feel like if someone yells at us or says a harsh word, that that's a judgment on us. Yes. And what you're saying is, no, it's not. That's right. Not a judgment. It has to do with what they're going through and they need to learn some things from it. But if I do the same thing they're doing, then I'm really modeling what's not healthy. One of our friends says, I feel really intimidated by my husband. It seems like any basic question gets an angry response, and it's really shutting me down. How do I communicate confidently with him without making him angry? You may make him angry, and what you have to be careful of is that you're not so afraid of his anger that you don't say anything. Because mm. we can grow really quiet because mm, I'm afraid. I'm yes. tired of this anger. It's better if I don't say anything. And so then you begin to really diminish intimacy or closeness in your relationship because you're not dealing with important things. And you're going to let anger store up for you. We're saying, well, he's the angry one. But if I'm not facing things, I'm going to be the hurt and angry one, too. 
And what you're saying is you don't have real relationship. Ultimately, you don't. Unless you get brave. You're going to get brave, and you're going to have to say, okay, he may really react. This is more about him. And really thinking about what is really going on for him that he is so unhappy that he's doing this. What is it? And so there are times where we can have compassion towards another person's outburst of anger because you go, this person is really hurt. So I have to step aside and, and not personalize it. They're really hurt. What is really going on for them? The questions that you've asked in the course of this show are beautiful. I mean, as you're asking, what pattern did I learn that caused me to be angry? Was I a victim? Did something happen? Do I trust other people? When did it start? What reinforced it? These are the questions. And then God's answer to all this. I mean, the spiritual side, what does God say about That's right. our anger? We need to know, okay, what's a godly response? Because we're going to live in a, in a time there's going to be hurt, there's going to be anger, there's going to be disappointment. How do I really deal with this without being destructive? Critical, irritable constantly, and a lot of sarcasm, and now procrastination. Now, these are common traits that could be pointing to a much larger, deeper problem. Has anger gotten the best of you? <laughs> there is hope, really. We can begin today with this awareness to make some changes to begin to restore a new sense of peace and a new sense of joy in your life. It will affect you and your relationships for the good. I'm Dr. Greg Jantz. I have written a book, Controlling Your Anger Before It Controls You. It'll give you strategies how to use all that energy in a new, positive way. I'd like to mention also the center, a place of hope. 31 years ago, I founded the center. It is a facility that's built upon a successful, whole-person approach. And if you need help, find healing and peace to move beyond this. 888 888- 771-5166. Thank you again for joining us here on Life, Love, and Family. My friend and colleague, Dr. Tim Clinton, began this program to encourage and to equip you and our families in today's culture. We can make changes. And for more resources and to share what you've learned today, visit our website, lifeloveandfamily.net God is really on your side and you will have what you need to control your anger because only a fool gives full vent his anger that's a proverb for us and a wise man keeps himself under control Life, Love and Family Dan was so depressed all he could do was lay in bed he tried all different kinds of therapy programs, medications nothing worked 
But his wife says as soon as she saw the website, aplaceofhope.com, she knew that that was going to be the key to her husband's healing. And it was. Aplaceofhope.com. They don't just treat depression. They treat the whole person. If you've tried everything and you or someone you love needs help with depression, call 888-771-5166 or find out more. Aplaceofhope.com. Women in Depression. Get confidential help. one 877 257-9612 Women addicted to alcohol or drugs get confidential help 1-877-257-9612 Women with anxiety or eating disorders trauma and PTSD get confidential help Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center 1-877-257-9612 or TimberlineKnowles.com 1-877-257-9612 